Welcome to Seeds, the show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora, everyone, and welcome along to the show. I am glad you could join me as today we're going to be speaking with Alex Wild. And this is a conversation where we talk about her work as a chiropractor and get some helpful tips on taking care of your back. But we also talk about the business that she's involved in, Connect Chiropractic, which has a really unique business model. Here's an excerpt from our conversation. You know, we know these days that thoughts can have a really big impact on on our emotional being and then in terms of what hormones we release at that time and therefore also how well our organs are functioning and then therefore also you know how our posture is working and so forth then the more toxic part is is easier to think about as you know alcohol and smoking and pollutants and things like that so mm-hmm. we know that those things are can affect the body and in the body that can also become a point of interference mm-hmm. that can affect the way the the brain is perceiving the world. So what we know now is that when we're making a correction to the spine, so an adjustment or, you know, sometimes associated with the clicks and pops, but not always, mm-hmm. we know that making those adjustments quite specifically can improve the way the brain perceives and interprets the world. Well, I know you can enjoy this conversation with Alex, so we're going to get into it. If you do, then you might want to check out some of the earlier episodes as well. And a rating and review in Apple Podcasts is always welcome. Check out the Facebook page, and there's a website at theseeds.nz. Now let's dive into this conversation with Alex. It's a real pleasure to welcome Alex Wilde, who's a co-founder of Connect Chiropractic. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show because I know that you're pushing boundaries a little bit with your business model and what you're doing um, in helping people. So I'd love to talk about that. But as I think you know, what I'd love to do is explore a person's background and where they're from. Mm -hmm. And and then once we have that, then we talk about what they're doing today. The human body is amazing, right? Like Absolutely incredible. And and just thinking about, um, you know, muscles and and the back and like it's so intricate so i'd love to talk about sort of the a little bit on the medical side in in terms of why do we need a chiropractor you know like what is it that you can do and things like that but also um getting into the business and how it's working so um but to start with where are you from well i am originally well born and bred norwegian Mm -hmm. um but as it is i'm half norwegian and half chilean so my mum is Norwegian and then my father is from Chile. Yeah. Um, yeah. So So where did you grow up in Norway? Was it in a big town or No, quite a small town actually. A little town a little town called Voss. Hmm. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the Voss water. Hmm. So the quite popular branded water Voss that's kind of where That's where it came from. That's <laughs> kind of where it came from. I don't think the water is actually bottled there, but that's Side the point. Yeah. Um, so small town, maybe about fifteen thousand people. All oh, right. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, quite a idyllic place, actually. <laughs> so how far would it be from Oslo, for example? Is it? Is it? Near? Um, seven it? hours, about approximately. Ah, and north. Southwest. Southwest. Okay. Yeah, and then an hour and a half inland from Bergen, which is the second largest city of Norway. Ah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like growing up in a small 
place, you know, because I, I, I'm always curious about what a, a person's childhood is like, yeah. particularly in a different country, a different culture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first I must say, like growing up in Norway, like how much more privileged could you really be? Like it's one of the most amazing countries, both from a educational, financial, financial, and even from an outdoors perspective. Mm-hmm. So really grateful for that, really. Um, then growing up in Norway, I look back at it now with found memories. Um, I grew up with my mum. As it is, I don't really have any uh, relationship with my father. So there's a part of me, the Chilean side, that I am yet to explore, really. Um, So very close with my grandparents. And my grandmother is still alive, so... She's really close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so grew up with my mum in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the environment or the things that you enjoyed as a child, like when you're, say, six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, my image of Norway, because I think I told you, yeah. like, in the, in the distant history, the Mo name, M-O-E, which is my surname, is a Norwegian name. Yeah. Um, I think it means green valleys. Yes. And um, so for me, Norway's always had this sort of you know, symbolic place of where my great, great grandparents, you know, were. Yeah. <laughs> but what was it like for you in, in terms of a childhood and, um, you know, like the weather, for example, and the, yeah. the outdoors? Well, I was a very sporty kid, um, probably because I wasn't very good at anything else. So I might maybe probably made myself good at the physical things. Mm-hmm. Um, so really into sports, especially um Soccer was a big thing, or football, as they call it here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was into most things, and I've always kind of been into most things, outdoorsy or sporty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I live, we lived with my grandparents for a while, and then um, I really, really found memories of that. They had um, a piece of land, quite a steep bit, really, but a lot of their food kind of came from the land. Um, I remember my grandfather having this like potato basement where it just really smelled like potatoes. Right. So they harvested all the potatoes for the winter and then, um, yeah. So was it actually a farm or was it just big enough where they could grow things for themselves? Yeah, just big enough to grow grow bits and pieces really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I really found memories of, of that with me and my cousin, which also we were kind of two single children really, but brother and sister in many Mm. ways. Um, was he similar age? Yeah, he's three years younger than me, so same age as Matt, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's yeah. great. And you mentioned your grandmother, who's still alive, and that, mm. and that she'd had an impact on you. I always love those relationships between generations. Oh, yeah. Because I think there's so much wisdom that can be passed on. And the thing I worry about with our current culture is there's a disconnect between, you know, um, grandparents and grandchildren so I'm just curious to unpack because it will probably resonate for people listening when they remember their grandparents but what was it that you really appreciated or what do you really appreciate about her well I think well I really appreciate everything about her except that she still smokes (laughs) (laughs) that's probably the one thing I don't don't appreciate um but her and my grandfather was a really, really significant part of my upbringing, mm-hmm. especially with my mum being a single mum, mm-hmm. a young mum um, with a child. Uh, obviously, she didn't 
really have any education or any qualifications. So she was kind of in the low income range of things. So my grandparents was really a stable point in my life where I would go and get, you know, really great food and music and they would always take me to places and it, it would always feel like a safe safe place with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I always, this is a, one thing that I, I thought about is that the smell of strawberries, mm-hmm. especially smushed strawberries, reminds me of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I always get really like nice and fuzzies when I smell smushed strawberries right yeah well that's good because it's something you can recreate easily right yeah it is especially <laughs> being so far away from her yeah, yeah so did she make something out of smushed strawberries did she like a jam or something yeah well actually what she used to do and still does um because we did it this summer mm-hmm. which is probably not maybe the healthiest of things but she would um she would get some strawberries and some most of the time it would be from her garden or from a neighboring farm mm-hmm. and she'll get them and smush them and put lots of sugar with it and then also have um what do you call it it's like a a cream Mm -hmm. but sometimes a bit of a sweeter kind of cream Mm -hmm. and then you would kind of eat that yeah it's kind of a weird thing it sounds delicious though yeah very strawberries sugar and cream yeah (laughs) (laughs) a bit of fat and a bit of sugar yeah that's all you need yeah (laughs) yeah so your childhood um growing up that that special relationship was was a big part of your childhood, it sounds like. Yeah, a yeah. very, very big part of it. Yeah, yeah. that it was. Um, yeah, I we always. I remember my. Uh, I think it was my cousin and I, when my grandparents sold their house, we were feeling a bit nostalgic, a little bit sad about it because it was such a fundamental home that mm. we grew up in. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that's really where our roots kind of came from Mm. even just that house i drive past it now and i really like look at it and i like maybe one day i'll buy it back (laughs) um there's something about locations isn't there yeah there it is can be significant Yeah. yeah yeah and growing up um given that your father wasn't part of your life there i'm just curious Mm. like to what extent did you were you curious about chile for example or or was it sort of a separation that it, it wasn't a big part. Yeah, that's an interesting question because that has definitely gone through phases for me. Right. Uh, as I've grown up, I think initially I was very interested and wanted my father to be a part of my life, but mm. he just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't a in- mutual interest, I suppose. Mm. Um, then going through and going into teenage years, I didn't want to know anything about it. Mm. And it was probably a harder part because especially, mm. you know, maturing and understanding the world better, seeing other people having a father figure that I never really had was really hard. So I think I just kind of disowned that part of mm. a part of me mm-hmm. and didn't really want to know Spanish or anything to do with South America. Mm. And then as I've come to, you know, become older and maturing and really kind of understanding that, you know, people have their choices for doing certain things in life. It's, you know, I have no judgment for, you know, whatever choices he made. And now I'm becoming more curious about Mm. potential family there. And I love to speak Spanish and Mm. I'd love to go and see what it's like. Mm. And I'm really curious uh, getting to know people, other people from Chile, you know, to see what it's like to 
Mm. You know, what are they different? How are they? How are they as people? And am I similar in some sort of way? Mm. Well, it's it's interesting because I get the sense that family is really important to you. You know, yeah. with your grandparents, for example, and yeah. you know that maybe Chile represents a whole other book that hasn't been opened in yeah. in terms of well, where was he from and who were his brothers and sisters or exactly. you know like aunts and uncles that maybe you've never connected with yeah yeah that's Absolutely. interesting yeah. yeah that is a new uh, a new book to yeah. be, uh, yet to be written <laughs> yeah yeah that's right well I think I told you um, I lived in Chile for a year when I was yeah. a kid and I can definitely tell you it's a beautiful country yeah and it's it's I mean it's such a long thin country that you go from the deserts at the north right through to glaciers in the south and it's yeah. like it just mind-blowing how diverse it is like yeah um yeah and very similar to new zealand in many parts of it in the yeah. south yeah so um yeah if you ever go you i'm sure you'll enjoy it <laughs> yeah i hope so <laughs> yeah so coming through because we're we're obviously in new zealand now which is mm. far away from norway so yeah. <laughs> when you were um growing up you know in high school in in norway do you learn english as a as a compulsory language or yeah. how does that work um, I think it's sort of, oh, I shouldn't say it's similar to here because I don't actually really know, but as a part of um, part of school, you do learn English mm-hmm. from a, quite a young age. Uh, at my time, when I was young, we didn't start school until seven, mm-hmm. which I think is quite a late start, right. yeah. especially considering New Zealand. Um, so was that on your seventh birthday you would start school? or, uh, or In your seventh in year. Seventh year. So I would have been seven because I was born in July. Right. So we started in August. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But you could go to sort of like a preschool at six. Okay. Um, which is just sort of... How like fascinating, a, though. I mean, yeah. I'm just compared to New Zealand <laughs> and other Western countries mm. where it's kind of like preschool at age three <laughs> i know i'm four, just learning you know, about that now people then, say um, oh yeah i'm taking my six-year-old to preschool i was like what <laughs> yeah and then um age five basically start school mm. like that's a full two years yeah difference yeah ah. i'm sure everything has its benefits and it's you know it's challenges yeah there's always pluses and minuses <laughs> mm. so um but back to the story of your life like going through high school years, say, yeah. did you imagine that you would travel and, and end up in New Zealand? <laughs> or yeah. um, were you more focused on Norway and staying there? Um, I think I was very focused on getting out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so especially around about, how old was I? Nine. My mum met my now stepdad mm-hmm. and they had my sister which was such a blessing for me because mm-hmm. I got to experience how t- how it is to have a sibling. Although I was 10 and, yeah, the age gap is... Age gap, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still, it's somebody to care for and love. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which also came with a challenge for me because we decided to move from a small town to an even smaller town. Ah. From, yeah, they probably have seven, five, six, seven hundred inhabitants there mm-hmm. just one little shop mm-hmm. um and for me what the big big ch- big big challenge was that they didn't have any sports team oh. and for girls or any teams for that i could join um which was really hard for me because that was kind of my identity because mm. i wasn't good at school at all what we know now is that i'm dyslexic and have really difficulty difficulty with maths right um so part of my identity of who I was 
got quite lost, mm. I think. So for many years there, yeah, I think I was probably a bit rebellious, mm. a bit difficult to deal with as yeah. a parent, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to have me as a child yeah. <laughs> at that time. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, this is an aside, but I interviewed someone named Jeff Bone and someone yeah. named Michelle Sharp. Okay. And both of them yeah, had I think dyslexia. I might have to that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I did a whole episode about dyslexia with Jeff Bone because ah. he um, he came. We did the interview, yep. and then at, afterwards he emailed and said, "I we didn't really go into dyslexia as much as I'd like to have." So he came back and we recorded a twenty-minute episode right. just about, and it was dyslexia as superpower. I like the that. idea that actually having dyslexia forces you to think outside the box in yeah. a different way and and for his career and things he said it, it had forced him to do things differently so i wish i yeah. wish i had someone say that to me yeah well that's <laughs> that's why we did the episode because yeah. hopefully people can listen and you know get that message out yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was that something that was diagnosed much later then yeah and not until i actually started caring about what i was doing right. which was when i came to new zealand okay yeah. Ah, interesting. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so you're in the little village from, was that from age 10 on or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually from 10 till about 15, 16, when I went into high school, I moved back to Voss, but I really briefly lived with my grandparents mm -hmm. and, but then I moved in by myself oh. just on my own. Right. Yeah. At age 16. Right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I did. And yeah, if I look back at it, I'm kind of thinking, oh, how how did I end up well, really? But right. <laughs> it, I, I survived. <laughs> yeah. And there were sports teams to play in there? <laughs> yeah, I think I was involved with mostly anything because um, as a part of going into high school, you sort of in Norway choose a specialty. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's the thing. It's probably mm -hmm. not like that here. But um, so I chose sort of like a, a sports specialty okay so you can do academics you can do business uh you can do sort of more agriculture um and then arts and so mm -hmm. forth and they might be located at different schools in case that was our case in my hometown of Voss. so i really really wanted to do the sports because my dream at that time was to become a professional snowboarder ah. yeah that maybe i've never let go of that dream but well, yeah, one day, right? <laughs> one day, maybe, no. <laughs> Probably won't push that dream right yeah. now. Well, uh, that's consistent with an image I have of Norway being snowy and cold yeah. and in the winter, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you were out snowboarding a lot? Yeah, yeah. So, and then kind of coming back to that whole choosing your genre, you should choose one sport. But I had three. So I couldn't pick. And I remember standing as a part of a group where we had to all go to our different groups and I was kind of standing there I was like oh which one am I going to choose and they all had like a list of like they said Alexander Schauheim and they said oh you're gonna have oh, snowboarding and football and and also handball and I was like but you kind of have to choose one main one and I was like I remember just standing there and I kind of just picked snowboarding because hmm. that's what I it might sound a bit funny, but there wasn't as many girls doing that. So I thought, well, at least I have, you know, the boys to compete me, compete with and they are greater competition, so hopefully I can become even better. Right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's what you ended up doing yeah. for the next couple of years? Or? Yeah, for the next three years. Ah. 
see. Yeah. So that's probably where my um, idea of New Zealand kind of also came about. Right. Because... Um, Had you seen pictures of skiing and things here? Or? Yeah, because yeah. it was all about how much snowboarding you can do. Right. So... So in the off-season, you can come here? And, yeah, that's what, that was mm-hmm. my dream about Japan, about Norway, about Chile. Mm-hmm. That's kind of when I started seeing movies about... Um, you know, snowboarders in Chile, I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool country, I think. So, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's kind of how that escalated. Yeah. And really a part of why I ended up in New Zealand, Hmm. why I chose chose to come here to study as opposed to England or Mm -hmm. Canada. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's interesting. Mm. So how old were you when you came to New Zealand then? Uh, That was 2010, so Mm. I would have been... 19 or so yeah yeah no 21 <laughs> see maths uh, not my strongest side <laughs> yeah. yeah and and what were you studying here then Would, um, to do with snowboarding yeah. or no so at that time so it's almost like you kind of have to look back in time again i always feel like there's a red line following my life a little bit right to kind of push me into where i need to go mm-hmm. um so because of snowboarding, lots of injuries, a lot mm. of concussions and, yeah, not a good spine in mm. the grand scheme of things. So that's how I ended up in the chiropractic office. Ah. Um, and then as a part of my dream of be- wanting to become a professional snowboarder, but maybe also study something on the side, which was a whole big new thing, I thought, oh, which country could I go to that would have snow? but also where I could potentially study. Mm -hmm. So at the time um, when that was sort of an idea, I actually went traveling with my boyfriend at the time, which was a Kiwi. Mm -hmm. So we came here and we did a big road trip and I loved it. Mm. It's such a beautiful place. Um, But then it also happened to be that there was a a college in Auckland. So we thought, oh, might as well just have a look and see what it's like. And then we went on on a tour around the college there and people, there was someone introducing us to different people and I just thought to myself, I really need to just be here. Hmm. This is where I need to be. Wow. I'm going to go here. That that moment, like it was a real crystal clear moment. This is the place for me. Yeah. I was like, I need to be here. I need to be doing this. I need to be a chiropractor. So I remember calling my chiropractor and I asked him, so is New Zealand a good option? Mm -hmm. And and I remember asking him, like, do you think I could, do you think I could become a chiropractor? He's like, yeah, absolutely. You'll be an amazing chiropractor. Really? <laughs> and I didn't have very much faith in myself at the time mm. because of the whole dyslexia mm-hmm. and really didn't, hadn't really tried to study. Mm. So it was quite a daunting task to mm. undertake, really. Mm. So your chiropractor who spoke that word of positive encouragement um, mm. <laughs> what do you think he saw in you? Oh, I don't know. I think, I don't know. <laughs> just saw, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, actually. Maybe the potential of doing good. Yeah. I don't know. It's, no, it's, I think it's just important to highlight those people. And mm. the reason, I, this comes up quite often in the podcast where yeah. people are like, I wasn't sure if I could do it, but then I spoke to this person and they said, you'd be great at it. Yeah. And it's like this positive affirmation. And I always like to highlight those people and give them a shout out because yeah. if that person, if they'd said, mm, probably not so good, you know, like mm. they could easily have discouraged you, but by encouraging it, yeah. it 
opened up that pathway. Yeah, no, and that's that, true. And I think for each of us, just to finish the point, for each of us in our lives, who are the people mm. who we can encourage? Yeah. That's the challenge. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely a pivotal point. Yeah. Um, yeah, because at that point, I hadn't really had anyone mm. that would that had encouraged me in an academic sense. Yeah. And to be fair, he didn't really know me that well. Right, yeah. But as an important point, when you say what what he might have seen in me, I think maybe perhaps it wasn't so much what he saw in me, but what the chiropractic philosophy sometimes see in people. Mm -hmm. Because something that we often say is that we have in infinite potential. We, we have that in, innate. And sometimes there's external things or you know, physical things that mm. might be stopping us. But really, we do have, have an infinite potential to express mm. um, in some way of form. Mm -hmm. So I think it was kind of that philosoph philosophy behind him, ingrained in him, in him, that sort of, of course, you can do it. Yeah, that's right. just what I needed. Yeah, that's great. So what do you study when you're studying chiropractic? Yeah. Is that the correct term? <laughs> Chiropractic. Chiropractic. What, what are you studying? Um, so initially, you have to do um, some basic science. Mm -hmm. So I did my sort of um, pre-studies or prerequisites in Auckland at AUT. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of simply like a diploma of applied sciences. Mm -hmm. Matt did his in, in Dunedin. So his path was a little bit different. He he thought he was going to be a medical doctor or some kind of amazing person. Um, so he already had that potential, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you do that for a minimum of a year. And then as it is here in New Zealand and in Auckland, you enter into a chiropractic degree. I see. Yeah. So that's four years there. So you have one year first and then four years afterwards at the chiropractic college. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about it because my wife goes to a chiropractor. Oh, and, how wonderful. And she'll come back in the afterwards and yeah. be like, oh, I just feel so good. You know, yeah. like it, <laughs> she, somehow she, the chiropractor, she loosened up my, mm -hmm. you know, all these joints and the and the muscles and yeah. you know I couldn't move my neck and now it's all freely moving <laughs> yeah, yeah so she's always raving about it but yeah um, yeah that's why I'm curious because I, I obviously I've never studied it and mm. I'm just curious to know um, some of the things that you're learning I yeah. guess about the human body and what is it that you're um, actually doing as yeah. a chiropractor oh yeah amazing so um, the main focus for a chiropractor is the spine and the nervous system. Right. So the nervous system is kind of the system of the body that we live our lives through. Mm -hmm. So the brain is kind of, you know, the master controller is where we have to process everything through. Mm -hmm. um, and the spine is then the protective sort of enclosed space for, for, the, for the central nerv nervous system. Mm -hmm. So it's protecting but also allowing the spine to move mm -hmm. with intricate muscles so close close to the spine mm -hmm. so um the idea is then that there can be areas of the spine in response to environmental um factors such as you know accidents or mm -hmm. in in chiropractic we actually say there's sort of three things that really affects affects our body and that's the trauma thoughts and toxins 
So trauma is a really easy one to think about mm. because, you know, you can so have an, an accident or a yeah. something's happened. Exactly. External. And even posture, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I notice actually I'm trying to sit up straighter <laughs> as we're talking. I know, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, like a, an everyday uh, repetitive stress. Yeah. Um, then thoughts can also, you know, we know these days that thoughts can have a really big impact on on our emotional being and then in terms of what hormones we release at that time Mm. um, and therefore also how well our organs are functioning and then therefore also, you know, how our posture is working and so forth. Um, Then the more toxic part is, you know, uh, is easier to think about as, you know, alcohol and smoking and, Mm -hmm. you know, pollutants and things like that. So Mm -hmm. we know that those things can affect the body and, and in the body, that can also become uh, a point of interference mm-hmm. that can affect the way the the brain is perceiving the world. So what we know now um, is that when we're making a correction to the spine, so an adjustment or, you know, sometimes associated with the clicks and pops, but not always, mm-hmm. um, we know that making those adjustments quite specifically can improve the way the brain perceives and interprets the world Hmm. so sometimes um we will have people say you know i just feel a lot lighter Hmm. you know i feel a bit you know i can see clearer and i can um you know just take in i have almost like a different point of view of the world and 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 sometimes people will say you know i'm sleeping better but i came in to see you because of my neck pain right um so really kind of that what that is telling us is that we are really working with the spine and the nervous system. Mm-hmm. We're working with the whole system as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's kind of... It's really a holistic view of a person, right? And yeah. the fascinating thing actually, you know, is that for some reason we see a disconnect because, you know, if, if you've got a, a, you know, like a, a car or something, mm. of course, if you fill it up with water, it's not going to operate properly. No. But for some reason there's a disconnect like... And we kind of forget that link between what you eat and yeah. therefore what your brain has as, as fuel. fuel to yeah. process to then. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. You know, that's uh, the big, I guess, hype these days is about, you know, fat is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Mm. And interestingly enough, you know, our brain is mostly fat. Right. So we kind of need that for proper brain function. Right. And especially in, you know, young people in the little children for example mm-hmm. it's really important for them to have a, a diet consisting of you know good healthy fats mm. Mm. yeah so everything in moderation maybe yeah, yeah. well <laughs> yeah <laughs> my life is kind of like an 80 20 rule but you know right. i think different things suits different people too mm. that's kind of i think the new paradigm that we are living in in the health space because the health world or people the population is really at a crossroads with health mm. in general, I think. Yeah. Where, yeah. It's well, there's a lot of obesity and a lot of, um, yeah. therefore, health issues that result that are yeah. kind of self-imposed in a Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I was reading the other day um, that one in two people are suffering from or being challenged by a chronic illness. Right. And that's... One out of two, that's either me or you, really. Yeah. So that's a big number. Mm. And 
from my understanding, you know, everything at, is at capacity from, you know, hospitals and GPs. And mm. I think we're a bit of a crisis in general. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, how could we take better care of our backs and yeah. our nervous systems? You know, yeah. Um, what are, yeah, what are some tools that you think people could act like? Should I be sitting up straighter? You know, like yeah. it's kind of obvious, but absolutely. Um, you know, is absolutely. there is there some tips that you've got? Yeah. So my number one would definitely be if anyone would have any kind of symptom or just not feeling feeling at as their best self mm-hmm. is probably to get checked out just to f- figure out if there's anything underlying going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that's from a chiropractor or somebody else. Um, then. The next thing, I think, movement is life. So I think on a general scheme of things, I I think people need to probably be moving more. Mm -hmm. Um, Then coming on from that, obviously we have jobs, you know, like yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. you might be in front of a computer a fair fair amount Mm -hmm. during your day. So posture is going to be Mm -hmm. a big one. So sitting up straighter and um, making sure ergonomically computers and you know, desk space are fitted to the person, right. especially like yourself being quite a tall person. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be challenging, you know, because mm-hmm. chairs are sometimes just the same size for yeah. everybody, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, then also, as we kind of mentioned before, you know, having a diet that probably is more not not from a product, but more from pro- produce or mm-hmm. more natural from the ground is going to be more nutritious for us than something that's probably just in a packet Mm. um and then a big one is probably water making sure we are staying hydrated Mm -hmm. that can be a be a tricky one sometimes in a busy life yeah yeah keeping it in mind and remembering right i've got Uh, my glass here so yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah because it's interesting what you said as well about posture for people sitting at computers and desks because that's actually something where an employer could be proactive right and actually get someone in to look for every single person like absolutely where is the monitor is it like you're looking at the wrong part yeah. of the screen you know like your eyes are looking down or up or whatever absolutely yeah yeah interesting definitely. yeah so um tell me a little bit about what you enjoy about your role and um, being a chiropractor and i'm also curious about the business model that you've introduced yeah. with um yeah what you're doing so if you could tell us a bit about that that would yeah. be great yeah so um we, well, I personally currently are just mainly seeing pediatrics at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's really my whole practice base is mostly under one. So, wow. yeah. So mm. I get a lot, you know, uh, questions about, oh, I didn't really know that children could see a chiropractor. Mm. But yeah, they can. Um, they have brains and nervous systems just like any other person and mm-hmm. in rapid, rapid growth, yeah. especially in those first few years. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And even just yeah. learning to walk and crawl and, you know, yeah. exploring the world, falling down from, you know, places you've crawled, crawled up. Yeah. You know, that's um, it's a big task being a little person, I think. Yeah. So if someone brought in, say, a 10 month old or something. Yeah. What would you do? You'd be checking and yeah, yeah. Just t- talk us through that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that would be um, quite a typical example, really. Right. Um, somewhere along that first year of life, and a lot of the time it will be in the first first few months. 
Um, so a big thing that I do look at is development. So developmental milestones, how are they tracking? Mm. Are they skipping any steps? Mm. How are their primitive reflexes? Um, so checking all, all of those things to make sure neurologically and developmentally they are um, where they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there is a room of discretion there. Obviously, people are different mm-hmm. and children alike. They are different in development, develop differently in different pastes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so checking out whether or not they are um, where they should be, um, whether or not there is something perhaps from the birth process or even from in utero when the mo- mother was carrying the baby mm. um, that might have stressed the spine because birth in itself is quite a big event, uh-huh. both for mother and baby. Um, got to experience that myself last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it can be a big event that obviously can cause, in some instances, trauma even birth trauma one of the three that we were talking about right yeah Yeah. exactly um so in that first of year of life the spine is also and the cranial system like the head and and so forth there's so many things happening in terms of growth so um and also in terms of you know the movement pattern that the the child is going through so typically I'd look for, you know, spinal movements, whether or not they are doing what they should, because we know um, in terms of creating the best foundation for, you know, life ahead, mm-hmm. it's going to be better than putting a Band-Aid on or trying to fix it when they're 30. Um, so that will be kind of the, the general scheme of things of how I'd look at, mm. look at that. Yeah, really yeah. looking at the spine and how it's working together with the, with the cranium. Yeah, that's great. And if my wife is anything to go by, you probably get lots of appreciation yeah. from people who say, thank you so much, right? Like, this yeah. is, this has helped relieve pain or remove the stiffness or whatever. Yeah, I have so many stories about people having a 180 degree shift in their life because of their bodies are just working better now. Mm. And it's not because I cured their ailment because that's not really my objective either. It's mm. just making sure the spine and the nervous system are, are mm-hmm. working properly. But as a result of proper nerve communication, mm-hmm. their bodies are working better. And yeah, again, thinking better and being better in society, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So just talk us through, I've, I've mentioned, I've hinted quite a few times about the business model. Yeah. Tell <laughs> us about that. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I do a lot with social enterprise and mm. this idea of profit and purpose and combining and, you know, that, that there's more, t- that companies can be more than just focused on the bottom line and, yeah. and how many zeros did we make. So yeah. I'm just, can you just tell <laughs> us a little bit about your approach? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would be wrong to not kind of, kind of continue on a little bit I think because it really derived from our experience uh, as chiropractors in Brisbane right and and you probably knowing Australia Mm. as well Mm -hmm. living there yeah um the health system is a little bit different so a lot of um private health involved Mm. so what we found is that when we were making making recommendations for care for people Mm. um they often weren't able to fulfill fulfill that because what we know about in chiropractic is that it's not really one adjustment cures everything because mm. as we know like we can't just exercise once and be healthy and fit mm. we need to sort of 
repeat it to kind of get in, get into it. Mm. So a little bit the same long, along the lines with um, with chiropractic because mm-hmm. we're needing to retrain the nervous system to do something different. So as a part of that, um, we saw that people weren't really even able to get to like a progress evaluation because right. they either couldn't afford it and then whether or not they wanted their whole family to be involved and get checked out, they couldn't afford it. Mm. And they were trying to sort of skimp, skimp away at, um, you know, can we do half of it? And mm. obviously they could because it's their health, their choice, mm. but it wasn't in their best interest. So we started to doing started doing exceptions for people. So we said, oh, how about I pay for one and you pay for one? Um, and then, you know, we would see amazing changes. Mm. Although that didn't really change their financial situation or they might have used up all their private health coverage Mm -hmm. and weren't in the situation where they could afford the rest. Perhaps also it was a matter of, you know, what they prioritized in their life, but, you know, having food on the table and being able to drive to work and do your job, that's kind of fundamental to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a part of, you know, um, leaving practice in Brisbane because we knew we had had uh, a new person on the way, mm-hmm. are we Sunni? We wanted to be closer to family. So this idea kind of really sprouted, I should say, maybe mm-hmm. in Brisbane where we're like, how can we get to terms with this? Like, how can we, how can we, you know, give people what they really need as mm-hmm. opposed to what dictates by their financial situation? Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of, where it all started really mm. um, so how would it work if i wanted to come and and yeah i've got a back problem yeah just talk us through what that practically means what you're talking about yeah so with us in our practice um we have we kind of run what we call a koha system so um that in- involves then an initial consultation and a, a report of findings. Mm-hmm. So those are the only two visits where we have fixed fees. Mm-hmm. So our initial consult um, is generally $90 and then a report of findings is 65 So um, we know that there's that takes all kind of peoples to, to make up society. Mm-hmm. Um, so from then on, it's from every adjustment visit, um, we allow people to pay what they can afford. Right. We have a guideline for them to to show them, you know, where and how um, things that you know what it goes to and what it covers and you know, obviously it costs to have a space mm-hmm. and a building and light and you know run power and so forth. Um, so we have a guideline for them to see, you know, because sometimes it's hard for a person to know. Yeah, what's the what's the ballpark? What's normal? Yeah, yeah. and some people f- just want to pay the normal, and that's mm-hmm. really really good. Um, but also, I guess the, another reason for for that is a part a part of what we are trying to achieve um, with our community connect program. So it kind of allows people to pay it forward. So a, a percentage of our earnings um, every month goes to uh, either three or one of three charities that we kind of handpick, actually, mm-hmm. um, that is a part of our local community. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a really important part for us mm-hmm. is that we really, really wanted to be 
and be connected to our community mm-hmm. in New Zealand, no, in Australia, sorry, um, we did sort of not find that we really had that intimate connection with with people in, in our community. We saw people one-on-one and, and so forth, but we were kind of wondering how how can we really like actually connect, mm-hmm. hence also the name. It's We really, really wanted to connect with all the parts of the community because, again, there's so many different kinds of people that's going to do need different things at different times. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we, in in that core system, we allow then people to pay what they can afford. And um, being in Ferrymead, we border on several different mm-hmm. um, suburbs that has highly different uh, economical status. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Walston on one side and then uh, Sumner area on the other side. So... It's really a beautiful situation because we do really see that people that weren't previously able or could not by any means afford care are now receiving care mm-hmm. um, and pay what they can for the care that they need. It's just something incredibly rewarding for us. Mm. Um, while other people also seeing this that might have an abundance in their life they have also the opportunity to pay it forward. Right. So, yeah, it creates yeah. a really beautiful situation for us. Yeah, that's great. And how is it working so far in terms of a business that, yeah. you know, you've got a lease or, you know, you've got costs involved as well. Mm. So is it, um, yeah, is it is it viable long term, you think? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, um, Matt is probably the best one in terms of the facts and figures, figures in terms of exactly how it's all been tracking. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it basically the best way I could explain it is that it exploded. Hmm. It just we couldn't believe it when we opened our doors. It just escalated right. to the point where we've already needed needed to hire our first associate, mm. which in our realms of things it's not really normal or common until at least a much second, later on. Yeah, yeah, much later on, like years on. Yeah, so we just weren't able to keep up keep up with everybody mm. really so um and then uh, naturally a lot of people have asked us you know have you found people ripping you off mm. and we've found really quite the opposite right um so we come from a genuine point of wanting to care and service f- for others mm-hmm. and i really think anyone in any situation that we've come across really has respected that mm. so yeah, it's quite a viable business and we we are absolutely loving it. Mm. Well, that's the reason I wanted to chat with you is that it is kind of pushing the boundaries of business. Yeah. Because you're you you know, it's not just about the money, it is about helping people who have needs who maybe wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise. And I think the the more we can explore that as part of the new paradigm going mm. forward because surely this model, you know, could be translated into other professional services or other um, people out there serving the community in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, we really found that um, although making a profit, we've again, like connected with with the community, like we're creating something greater than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was really on the basis of having our daughter, having a better world for her Mm -hmm. in a community that she was going to grow up. We wanted the community to be greater so yeah. that you know this is 
the life she's going to live. You know, this is where she's going to grow up. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. The next generation makes you think like. <laughs> yeah, they do. What What will it be like for them? Well, what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll put links to the website and um, different social media or whatever. Yeah. So if people are interested, they'll be able to click through and find out more. Yeah. And yeah, we'll just have to stay in touch and see how it all develops and um, where it goes. Um, yeah. Was there anything else that you thought we should touch on? Um, well, at the moment, um, we are holding a, a local business like a coastal business meeting Mm -hmm. where um we also have lisa mead coming along Mm -hmm. along with a lot of other beautiful people Mm -hmm. doing sort of similar things Uh, and it's really kind of a once-off meeting um where we are encouraging other businesses to to think along the same lines um and not that they have to do the same thing as us but there's so much impact that can be done for people in our community Mm. in lots of different ways um yeah so we're holding that meeting um for anyone really to attend to see what it's all about and how especially thinking of the businesses in fairy made of how they can perhaps incorporate something community oriented or orientated as opposed to helping helping everybody out that's great well again people will be able to contact through the website maybe if they're interested and depending when this airs the meeting may have happened already, but yeah, there yeah, will probably. be opportunities in the future to, to <laughs> yeah. connect as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, it's been fascinating to hear your story and just, you know, as someone who had suffered from sports injuries, you know, yeah. that you're actually like you understand <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the value of, you know, keeping the body um, healthy and, and helping people to get back that energy that that comes from feeling confident yeah you know so yeah i wouldn't be here without chiropractic (laughs) right yeah that's awesome well yeah thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate your time and i know you're busy with a one-year-old and running this as well so (laughs) um but yeah we'll we'll stay in touch we'll see how it develops in the future thank you well, I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alex. If you did, then you might want to check out some of the earlier episodes as well, because there's now more than 130 in the back catalog. Until next time. Mm-hmm.